Hi gang, this is Dave. You know me as Dave Kill from the forums. Captain, Mr. Spock, still thinking about... And treks in sci-fi. Yeah. For the record, Captain, how do we describe him? Cheeky monkey. Cheeky monkey. In fact, I think he's where other people got the idea to ask us to do it. Right. Ha! Tell me how! Rico. Hello and welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi, the spooky, scary edition for October the 28th, 2007. This is podcast number 145. And this week on the show, we're going to take a break mostly from sci-fi and Trek and Star Wars and all those things and geeky topics like we normally talk about and discuss uh, Halloween and, and mainly talking about scary movies uh, things that I've uh, found uh, especially good over the years to give me a chill down my spine. And uh, we'll throw in a few other things, some uh, some listener comments as usual, uh, all just lots of fun stuff. Uh, so uh, to get us in the mood, let's start off with some uh, scary Charlie Brown Halloween. Ooh-ah. <laughs> piece of candy for my stupid brother he couldn't come with us because he's sitting in a pumpkin patch waiting for the great pumpkin it's so embarrassing to have to ask for something extra for that blockhead linus i got five pieces of candy i got a chocolate bar i got a quarter i got a rock Boy, I got three cookies. Hey, I got a package of gum. I got a rock. Trick or treat. I got a popcorn ball. I got a fudge ball. I got a pack of gum. I got a rock. Okay, welcome to the show, everyone. This is Rico on your special holiday Halloween edition of Treks in Sci-Fi, uh, your host each week for uh, this podcast and another new one that I started up uh, just uh, at the end of last week called AtticOfMyMind.com, which can be found at that URL, AtticOfMyMind.com, which is going to be sort of a short personal show, going to come out every week or so, uh, talking about life and, and non-sci-fi things primarily. I've got it up uh, listed on iTunes, but uh, it's not there yet, or at least I submitted it to iTunes. But if you go to the website, you can listen and download the first episode of that new podcast. But again, welcome to this week's show. This is Treks in Sci-Fi, the Halloween edition. Yeah, that gave you a little uh, bit of a preview for what we're going to be talking about on this week's uh, Treks in Sci-Fi show. Uh, Again, more of a Treks in Halloween show this time. I wanted to mention, uh, got a uh, cool intro there uh, by Dave Kill again. Uh, That was, uh, he inserted some clips from that other uh, Star Trek podcast called Make It So uh, that's put out by a couple of British guys. Uh, I guess they recently on show number 50 mentioned uh, me, mentioned uh, Treks and Sci-Fi, mentioned this podcast. Uh, well, uh, Dave sent me also the, uh, the I guess it's only about 40 seconds or so of the uh, clip that they uh, mentioned the show. Here, I'll play it for you now. 
all fan fiction, with the exception of two other shows. Trek Talk and... Trek Talk and, and Treks in Sci-Fi. Yeah. Uh, but but Treks in Sci-Fi is more of a generic sci-fi show. It is, it? but he, from when I... Oh, pardon me, I had a little gas then. Uh, when I listened to him before, it was predominantly Star Trek. Right. Mainly Star Trek. And he did all the, uh, what was it, the commentary tracks as well. Oh, right, yeah. With the audio. Cheeky monkey. Cheeky monkey. In fact, I think he's where other people got the idea to ask us to do it. Right. So, there you go. But all the others are fan fiction. They're all like... Yeah, so uh, again, that's from the uh, podcast uh, called Make It So, a couple of guys, British guys. I've listened to that show uh, a while back. I just haven't had a chance to listen to it again recently, but it uh, sounds uh, pretty interesting, uh, and they mentioned Treks and Sci-Fi. They were actually, I think in that uh, little segment there, they were talking about other Star Trek podcasts and mentioning how so many, it seems, so many other Star Trek podcasts are just... Uh, fan fiction kind of like uh, what we're doing on the forums at treksinsci-fi.com uh in the rpg game and the writing that's going on there a lot of other star trek uh, casts out there are you know hey we have a crew we're on a ship and they and they create these little uh shows uh episodes uh, about their adventures and there aren't really a lot of uh strictly you know trek uh, podcasts like i do so you know, that's kind of good uh, in a way. I'm glad that not everyone's doing it, I guess. And and their little comment about uh, me being a cheeky monkey, uh, I think, is related to me using the audio when I do these uh, shows, clips, and commentaries. Uh, so far, Paramount, CBS seems to be leaving me alone. Uh, you know, again, this podcast is free. I, I, I donate my time and, and money and things and, you know... G- to doing the show for everyone to try to keep uh, Star Trek and sci-fi uh, geekdom uh, going and share my love for the uh, genre with everyone else. Uh, so I think in that case, most of the time, they're pretty cool about it. Uh, you know, it's not like I'm charging 99 cents on iTunes to download the show. So that's the way that generally works. So I, I guess still I'm kind of a cheeky monkey anyway. <laughs> but uh, thanks to uh, the guys that make it so for mentioning uh, my show. I want to go through a, a little bit of a Star Trek and sci-fi news first before we get into all the Halloween festivities that I want to go over. But uh, the the first thing, a Star Trek movie's pretty well been cast. We've been talking about that the last few shows. Uh, they still have to cast, I guess, Kirk's parents and also uh, Captain Pike. Uh, the rumor going around right now that I've been finding and, and seeing in a few places is that, that uh, actor Josh Lucas... Who uh, the last thing I remember he was in, uh, he was in that uh, that stealth movie, and he also was in that Poseidon remake movie. Uh, he's in the he's in his mid thirties. Uh, he's uh, he's rumored to be playing or up for the role for playing Captain Pike in the Star Trek movie. So that's uh, a little bit of a tidbit there. Um, the current enhanced episode, just to uh, clue everyone in, this weekend is the episode Cat's Paw which I've reviewed, uh, gosh, I think about two years ago uh, around Halloween time. You know, that's about the only Star Trek, uh, to me, kind of Halloween-ish episode that they ever really did. There's a few things in Next Generation they did, uh, uh, even an animated episode that sort of has some Halloween and and elements in it like that. Uh, But uh, that's why I decided this week we'll talk about scary movies primarily for Halloween as a special event uh, rather than uh, Trek or uh, other sci-fi things. There's a, a new Star Trek novel out uh, by William Shatner called Star Trek Academy Collision Course about the very early days of uh, 
Jim Kirk at uh, Starfleet Academy when he's just a late teenager, uh, which is kind of interesting because this is going to, uh, we'll see how this works into sort of the continuity of what they do for the new movie, which has been being rumored about being kind of like maybe a post-Academy or who knows at what time frame with Kirk, but in the early days and in, in younger days of Captain Kirk or, or Lieutenant Kirk or whatever he ends up being in the movie. But Shatner's got this new book out, Star Trek Academy Collision Course. I've liked uh, most of the stuff that I've read from Shatner over the years that he's done for uh, in Trek and about Kirk at different stages. I, I think he has a good Obviously, he's got a good handle on the character, and his writing style is real easy and not real complex. I know he has a few people helping him. Uh, Judith and Garth Reeve Stevens, I believe, are the ones that uh, tend to help him on these books. I'm not sure how much uh, you know he actually writes and how much they do or whatever, but they're always by like William Shatner with some slight footnotes uh, somewhere about his, uh, his helping uh, hands authors that he gets to... Uh, help him work on these things. But I'll probably pick up that book. It sounds pretty cool. Come in. Captain, we are ready to leave Starbase 515. Thank you, Lieutenant. Proceed. Aye, Captain. Computer, rock the Juno, please. Computer, begin recording communique. Dear recent graduate, allow me to congratulate you on your graduation from Starfleet Academy. The education and skills you have worked so hard to attain will take you far. The only thing that you lack is experience, and the only way to gain that experience is through an assignment. The mission of the USS Tiberius includes a commitment to diversity, and our campaign for new officers relies heavily on this dedication. I have personally reviewed countless applications for assignment aboard my ship, and have narrowed the candidates to a select number of very impressive individuals. I believe that you have the creativity, talent, and dedication required to make a supportive addition to our crew, and as such, I am pleased to formally offer you a position aboard the Tiberius. Here, you will strengthen your education and gain the experience needed to round out your Starfleet career while finding a family among the stars. To confirm your acceptance, reply to this communique at the Trex and Sci-Fi Forum. Upon receipt of your acceptance, I will personally contact you with details of your assignment. If you have any questions or need assistance, please feel free to contact my assistant, Star Trek Fanatic 5, via personal message in the Trex and Sci-Fi Forum. Again, my congratulations. Sincerely, Captain Nathaniel Jacob Quinn, USS Tiberius computer in recording and send the message captain to the bridge please have a few other uh, sci-fi related stories uh, one uh, is Battlestar Galactica the executive uh, big executive head honcho guy Ron Moore on that show is going to direct one of the uh, next season's episodes which I guess they're not really slated to start back up until April uh, of 2008. They are going to do that uh, Razor, uh, is it a two-hour movie or a miniseries? I'm trying to think. Uh, I'll have to look that up, uh, take a quick break here, pause the recording. But that is coming in the end of November, Razor, 
which is set in Battlestar Galactica, you know, universe and that, and the new reimagined one, but mostly about the Pegasus, the other Battlestar Pegasus, uh, with Michelle Forbes, good old Ensign Rowe in command uh, as uh, Admiral Kane of that uh, Battlestar. So anyway, uh, we'll be looking forward to that and the new season of Battlestar in April. Yeah, it looks like Razor is just a uh, a two hour uh, show, a two hour movie on uh, November twenty fourth. So not a uh, longer miniseries like I had maybe been thinking. So so anyway, that's uh, coming up uh, next month. A couple of uh, quick stories here on on the sort of uh, fantasy horror ish things. Uh, the third Underworld movie is uh, starting to take shape. Uh, I've liked both those Underworld movies. You know, it's the vampire versus the werewolves and all that. So uh, uh, that should be good. Uh, looking forward to that a lot. And uh, not on the horror side, but this uh, this Justice League, JLA, Justice League of America movie, is really seems to be moving forward. They're, they're starting to name cast ma- members and starting to uh, take shape. Uh, I, I really have high hopes. You know, it's... It's always been, uh, I think, uh, something that would be very cool to see a live-action group superhero movie like the Justice League. They did a pretty good job with X-Men, especially the first two movies. I was a big fan of those. So it can be done, you know, with computer-generated effects now. All these superpowers these characters have can be done on the screen. I think the tricky part about uh, doing Justice League, of course, is the uh, two... Two of the biggies in the movie, Superman and Batman, or two of the biggies in Justice League, have already had pretty successful movie franchises of their own. Unlike the X-Men movie, when that came out, uh, you know, none of the X-Men had already had any kind of movie on their own, although they are doing, of course, the Wolverine Origins movie now. That's being worked on, uh, or will start filming, I believe, next year for uh, shooting... uh, it uh, probably be coming out in 2009, I think, then. But, uh, you know, Justice League, they've got other actors. They've had various actors playing uh, Superman, Batman. And I think they're going to create or um, cast even new actors for the Justice League movie to play those roles. It won't be the new Brandon Roth for Superman or um, um, blanking out Christian Bale, who is the Batman in uh, The Very Good Batman Begins, won't be in Justice League. New actors will be playing those parts. So, they are going to have. Uh, I, I was kind of hoping Tom Welling from Smallville would get a shot at uh, playing Superman finally on the big screen and maybe in the Justice League movie, but I kind of have a feeling that might not happen. So we'll have to keep an eye on that story. And I think that's all I want to cover for stories and things. I'm going to take a, a short break uh, right now, and uh, then we'll come back with a full on Halloween scary movie special. Let us find a real Earthling. Yes, one that is not so furry. Furry. What is that rectangular object? I recognize symbols. Those are called letters. I read P H O N E. Pahone? Pahone. Let us use Pahone. Yes, let us. With the shiny buttons. This one, dude. Push the buttons, Gedular. I'm pushing. <laughs> oh, it's making noise. I like noises. Thank you for calling 411 Connect. City and state, please. Take us to your Rico. Rico? There's no state under Rico or city. Take us to your Rico, Earthling. 
I, I don't have anything under Rico. If you had a last name, I might be able to find something. Rico, you know, the Trexan Sci-Fi Podcast. I don't know. Great. You killed him, Gebular. I'm sorry. TrexanSciFi.com Okay, I'm back. Uh, thanks to uh, the Moyers again for that cool little bit of uh, Trex and Sci-Fi advertising there uh, about the phone booth. Uh, that's really great stuff, guys. Thanks very much. Uh, well, Halloween. Halloween is uh, has always been a lot of fun for me. I, I loved dressing up uh, when I was younger, growing up, going out trick or treating. I still like to do that and scare the little kitties when they come by. Uh, I thought, uh, though, what we would start off with here is just uh, for those out there, and most people probably know this, I, I want to read this little passage I found on the Internet, which is, uh, of course, the best thing ever uh, to look up stuff on, about the uh, the origins of, of Halloween and give people a, a kind of a feel for some history here. Uh, that, that might be kind of fun. I'm just going to kind of read this, uh, most of it kind of verbatim, uh, as it's uh, on this little blurb I found uh, about Halloween and the ancient origins of the holiday. So here we go. Halloween's origins date back to the ancient uh, Celtic festival of Samhain. The Celts who lived 2,000 years ago in the area that is now Ireland, the United Kingdom, and northern France celebrated their new year on November 1st. This day marked the end of summer and the harvest and the beginning of the dark, cold winter time of year that was often associated with human death. Celts believed that on the night before the new year, the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead become blurred, became blurred. Excuse me. On the night of October 31st, they celebrated Samhain when it was believed that the ghosts of the dead returned to Earth. In addition to causing trouble and damaging crops, Celts thought that the presence of these otherworldly spirits made it easier for the druids or celtic priests to make predictions about the future for a people people <laughs> for a people entirely dependent on the volatile nature natural world these prophecies were an important source of comfort and direction during the long dark winter so basically these uh, druidic priests would use this uh, time of year to predict uh, how the weather and how the rest of the year would come the celts wore costumes typically consisting of animal heads and skins and attempting to tell each other's fortunes. When the celebration was over, they relit their hearth fires, which they extinguished earlier that evening from the sacred bonfire to help protect them during the coming winter. But uh, by about 83, uh, uh, excuse me, by 43 AD, Romans had conquered the majority of Celtic territory. In the course of the 400 years that they ruled the Celtic lands, two festivals of Roman origin were combined with the traditional Celtic celebration of Samhain. The first was Ferilia, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, a day in late October when the Romans traditionally commemorated the passing of the dead. The second was a day to honor Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. The symbol of Pomona is the apple, and the incorporation of this celebration in the Samhain was probably explains the tradition of bobbing for apples that is pra- <laughs> excuse me, practiced today on Halloween. By the 800s, the influence of Christianity had spread into Celtic lands. In the 7th century, Pope Boniface IV designated November 1st as All Saints Day, a time to honor saints and martyrs. 
It is widely believed today that the Pope was attempting to replace the Celtic Festival of the Dead with a related but church-sanctioned holiday. The celebration was also called All Hallows or All Hallow Miss, from English All Hallow Miss meaning All Saints Day. And the night before it, the night of Samhain, began to be called All Hallow All Hallows Eve, and eventually became known as Halloween. Even later, in around 1000 AD, the church would make November 2nd All Souls Day, a day to honor the dead. It was celebrated similarly to Samhain with big bonfires, parades, dressing up in costumes as saints, angels, and devils. Together, these three celebrations, the Eve of All Saints, All Saints, and All Souls, were called Hollow Miss. So that gives you a... uh, a brief uh, retelling of the origins of the Halloween holiday. And I think it's kind of important to, to learn about that kind of stuff. I, I enjoy learning about history. Uh, this, uh, you know, the History Channel is very cool on TV. They do specials about this at this time of year. So check that out when you get a chance. Okay, I'd like to uh, to give you one more little bit of history, and then we're going to get to the, uh, well, a little more scary and fun stuff and talk about scary movies. This is a little bit of the history of the jack-o'-lantern. Pumping, pu- <laughs> uh, excuse me, pumpkin carving is a popular part of modern America's Halloween celebration. Come October, pumpkins can be found everywhere in the country from doorsteps to dinner tables. Despite the widespread carving that goes on in this country every autumn, few Americans really know why or when the jack-o'-lantern tradition began, or for that matter, matter, whether the pumpkin is a fruit or a vegetable. Well, pumpkin is a fruit, actually. I do know that much. People have been making jack-o'-lanterns at Halloween for centuries. The practice originated from an Irish myth about a man named Stingy, Stingy Jack. According to the story, Stingy Jack invited the devil to have a drink with him. True to his name, Stingy Jack didn't want to pay for his drink, so he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin that Jack could use to buy their drinks. Once the devil did so, Jack decided to keep the money and put it into his pocket next to a silver cross, which prevented the devil from changing back into his original form. Jack eventually freed the devil under the condition that he would not bother Jack for one year and that Jack, and should Jack die, he would not claim his soul. The next year, Jack again tricked the devil into climbing into a tree to pick a piece of fruit. While he was up in the tree, Jack carved a sign on the cross, a sign of the cross, into the tree's bark so that the devil could not come down until the devil promised Jack not to bother him for ten more years. Soon after, Jack died. As the legend goes, God would not allow such an unsavory figure into heaven. The devil, upset by the trick Jack had played on him and keeping his word not to claim his soul, would not allow Jack into hell. He sent Jack off into the dark night with only a burning coal to light his way. Jack put the coal into a carved-out turnip and has been roaming the earth with it ever since. The Irish began to refer to this ghostly figure as Jack of the Lantern and thereby simply becoming Jack-o'-lantern. In Ireland and Scotland, people began to make their own versions of jack-o'-lanterns by carving scary faces into turnips or potatoes and placing them into windows or near doors to frighten away Stingy Jack and other wandering evil spirits. In England, large beets are used. Immigrants from these countries brought the jack-o'-lantern tradition with them when they came to the United States. 
they soon found that pumpkins, a fruit native to America, made the perfect uh, form for a jack-o'-lantern. So, there you go. Another uh, kind of myth uh, discussed and uh, here on Treks in Sci-Fi. I hope you enjoyed that talking about uh, the history of Halloween and the history of the jack-o'-lantern. Now, on to my first scary movie trailer. Welcome to a night of total terror. Night of the living dead, the dead who live on living flesh, the dead whose haunted souls hunt the living, the living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. adventure in fear, an experience in shock more shattering than your strangest nightmare, night of the living dead, a night with the dead who cannot die, a night of total terror. Well, that's good. Uh, there you have the Night of the Living Dead from 1968, kind of the original uh, zombie movie, in my view, uh, by uh, George Romero. Uh, worked on the writing. Also, a guy named John Russo uh, wrote the movie. Uh, directed by John George, excuse me, George Romero. Uh, this uh, this movie really kind of paved the way for all the you know zombie and. I don't know, cannibalistic movies to come. It uh, it really set the stage, and it was done uh, in a very scary, kind of eerie style. It's in black and white, kind of almost a documentary style for those that are familiar with uh, Night of the Living Dead. But uh, I, I really enjoyed this. It's probably one of the, my uh, earliest memories of watching a real scary movie on television. I never saw this in the theaters. I, I was uh, well, way too young at that time to... Uh, to see it, and it, it just, uh, I think I can remember distinctly one time uh, when I was younger in my teen years uh, watching this on television while I was babysitting, which was, uh, uh, I didn't babysit uh, anyone or people or kids, whatever you want to say, uh, call it, uh, very often growing up, but a few times, and I, I remember late at night, it was probably like 11, 12 midnight or so, and uh, this movie was on uh, some you know, television channel, and I had it on, and it's like, oh my gosh, why am I watching this and babysitting? So, so anyway, there you have Night of the Living Dead, a pretty spooky and scary movie from, uh, gosh, it's uh, 30, 45 years old now. Not, well, 68, let's do some math here. Yeah, about almost 40 years. Next year, it'll be 40 years old. Oh, I do have to uh, kind of toss up a little bit of a disclaimer here, uh, in a way, I guess, just because this podcast is generally. Uh, a general audience and a sci-fi and Star Trek show. Uh, th- this obviously is a different kind of show this week. And, and if you know 
you're easily frightened. It's it's fine. You can obviously stop listening any time because we're going to get even scarier. All right. So uh, with that in mind, uh, I'm, I want to mention also uh, that uh, this list of uh, things that I'm going to play, these entries, these movies and stuff I'm going to talk about, is obviously stuff that uh, I've uh, found scary and, and fun to watch uh, over the years, but this is by no means an end-all, be-all list. Uh, I just grabbed some things that came to mind uh, when I was prepping for the podcast, some uh, classic movies to me in the genre of, of scary and horror. I'm not really actually that much into what I would consider a true horror movie. Uh, I'm not into the Jason and Freddy movies very much. I've seen them uh, just a little bit uh, I don't even know if I've seen either of those uh, series uh, a full movie, but they just, you know, the, the the typical slasher horror movie. I did see Saw 1, which I thought was okay, but those kind of movies I'm not really going to be talking about much this week. It's going to be other things, things that I feel have a little bit more going on, maybe a little bit more of a plot uh, in that. So anyway, nothing against those, and I know there's a lot of people that like them, and, and that's great, uh, but I, I've just never really been able to get into those that much. So with that, uh, let's go back to another movie. Is there someone inside you? is a little difficult to, to follow, but if you're familiar with the movie, you'll know exactly what it is after you hear it, especially that ending music. Uh, the um, The movie is, of course, The Exorcist, the first original and and very disturbing, scary movie, I think. Uh, it came out uh, in late uh, 1973, starred uh, Linda Blair as the often mocked and imitated now uh, Reagan, uh, the possessed little girl in the film, uh, Directed by uh, William Friedkin, uh, by a novel, a uh, very scary novel, by a guy named William Peter Blatty, uh, who also did the screenplay for this movie. Now, uh, this has got, you know, scary overtones and the devil and, and all kinds of uh, creepy stuff in it. Uh, for 1973, I think this still uh, this movie still has a lot of bite and a lot of scare to it. Uh, it won a couple of Oscars. Uh, it's uh, really kind of a, a landmark uh, horror movie. I think, and, uh, you know, really, again, uh, kind of a p- 
paved the way for a lot of scary things to uh, come. It was uh, it creeped a lot of people out. I know at the time. I only saw it years later uh, on uh, video at home, uh, and, and I'll be seeing things at home in, in your uh, you know the comfort of your own little chair or couch and watching a movie you know with the lights on. Even with the lights off at home, it's never quite the same as it is when you see things in a theater. Uh, it's it's quite a bit different uh, experience. But anyway, Exorcist, uh, a very uh, scary and disturbing movie there. Now, uh, the next movie, and uh, you may notice as we go through these, uh, I'm kind of going in, in chronological order a little bit of when these movies came out. So uh, with that, uh, the next one isn't probably normally considered to be uh, you know, a scary kind of movie. Well, I guess it's scary, but... Uh, not quite in the Halloween vein as much, maybe, perhaps. But uh, still, I, I think this movie, for a lot of people, uh, disturbed them quite a bit. So, uh, well, listen to this trailer. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss. You're going to need a bigger boat. From the best-selling novel, Jaws, rated PG, maybe too intense for younger children. Ah, there you have the movie that scared a lot of people from ever going in the ocean again, Jaws, directed by, of course, Steven Spielberg from 1975. came out in uh, June of 1975. This uh, movie was um, based off a number one best-selling book by Peter Benchley, of course, called Jaws. And, you know, this this is really a, a great movie and still a great movie. It, it built suspense. You know, I think a lot of this has to do with Steven Spielberg direction of the film, and it won three Oscars. It really uh, jump-started his career and a lot of the people, the actors in the movie, Dreyfus, Scheider, uh, Robert Shaw's in the movie. Uh, just uh, a class act all around and a scary movie. Uh, I've, uh, I've always liked the ocean. I lived in California a few years when I was growing up, and enjoyed uh, always enjoyed going in the ocean, and I used to have to go to Florida a lot for work uh, just uh, during the summer, and I would go in the ocean anyway. I did get a little bit stung by a, a small jellyfish one time, but I've never had a shark incident, thank goodness, but it does make me think a little bit occasionally when I'm out there. It, it does kind of freak you out, and, and, you know, it's not unheard of to hear about shark attacks in different parts of the world, you know, Florida for the United States, California, not so much. I think mostly Florida is where you hear about them in the United States, down in the southeast, uh, off the coast in that area more. But, uh, you know, Jaws really, I think, made a lot of people want to stay out of the water. Uh, even, you know, going in a swimming pool sometimes, if it's a little murkier at night, can make you feel a little weird. Especially that scene, you know, with the girl and she's getting tugged on and then all of a sudden goes under in the trailer that you uh, just heard it's uh it's very scary stuff so not uh not so much horror or or you know your spooky you know possessed people or or whatever but uh definitely a, a scary and suspenseful film 
Now, uh, next up, we get to probably my favorite uh, movie to watch at this time of the year. Very scary. Uh, it, uh, it came out at just the right time for me uh, to see it. Uh, and, well, let me play the, the trailer here, and we'll come back and talk about it. Halloween night. A small American town. Fifteen years ago. Michael? Halloween. I spent eight years trying to reach him. And then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. Exploring uncharted territory. Totally charted. Just talk. Sure, sure. The only reason she babysits is to have a Halloween from uh, just prior to Halloween in 1978, directed by John Carpenter. Now, this to me is the ultimate uh, Halloween movie. None of the sequels at all are, well, they're not that great. The second one isn't too bad, but Halloween, the first movie, uh, is just fantastic. It's by John Carpenter, who directed it. It is, um, he also wrote it. It is probably his, to me, John Carpenter's masterpiece. Uh, even though he did it very early in his career. He did the screenplay with Deborah Hill. Again, came out in October uh, 1978. Uh, was the first feature film for Jamie Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis, who played Laurie Stroud in the movie. Uh, she is the, uh, the girl that's being stalked by uh, Michael Myers in the Captain Kirk mask. This, uh, the, the budget of this film, this independent film that was done, was so low. They, they made this film for a total of, get this, only... $300,000 is all this movie costs them. I mean, that's everything. Uh, but the uh, mask, uh, you know, and they've, this has been discussed in different places uh, at other times, 
but is a uh, it's a Captain Kirk mask. It's a William Shatner mask that they found at a store. They they spray painted it and made the eye holes a little different, but it's basically uh, you know it's William Shatner is the uh, the scary kid uh, who grows up and comes home. Mike Michael Myers, Mike Myers, uh, Michael Myers. I like to call him. I don't think they really call him Mike in the movie, but but anyway, this is basically about a really disturbed young boy who uh, kind of goes on a murder spree when he's really young and comes back home years later and and does the same thing. It's uh, it's very creepy. It builds suspense. The music, uh, John Carpenter actually worked on the music for this. He's done in a different kind of, uh, I'm not a music expert by any means, but it's done in a different time called Five-Fourths Time, and it, it really makes it just weird. You know, it makes it different, and I think that that really aids this movie a lot. You know, a lot of these movies, one thing they do have in common is is great music, and which I think any really scary movie needs to have because that really, you know, music really makes your emotions jump. I think one way and go another way, and uh, whether it's good, bad, sad, happy, you know, you know, love story type movies have a certain kind of music. Scary movies have a certain kind of music, but. If you if you've got the right kind of music and Halloween certainly has that, it really helps a lot. Donald Pleasance is uh, plays Doctor Loomis. He's the guy that's trying to help and and, and get Michael back. Uh, that's worked with him over the years. It, it's just such a classic. It, it, it's definitely something if you're a fan of film, you need to see. It, again, it's John Carpenter's I think finest hour and finest piece of uh, cinema. He's done some other good stuff: Escape from New York, The Fog. Fog is a pretty scary movie, too, I think. Not the remake one uh, that was out a couple years ago, but the original. Anyway, uh, you know, John Carpenter's done a lot of good stuff for the scary movie uh, genre. He also did The Thing, which is a very good movie. I didn't get any clips for that one, but that's a good kind of scary uh, Halloween-fitting movie as well. But Halloween is just, uh, gosh, I can't say enough about the movie. Now, these days, to some people, it may they may say when they watch it, ah, that's not that scary. But, you know, this was 1978, and, and I don't know. I still think the movie holds up. It's about a small town, uh, a girl who's being pursued by this guy, and it just has a lot of classic elements that, that really, if you look at this movie, ha- have been so copied and imitated over the years of every kind of horror, scary movie since then. And, and this started it all. So, again, can't say enough good things about Halloween from 1978. Okay, next up, we've got uh, a movie just from a couple years later, and uh, the distinction of this movie is it's probably the last real scary movie that I managed to get uh, uh, Lynn, who at the time was just my girlfriend, to see in the movie theater. So this movie, uh, well, I I think I still have scars on my arms from when she was digging her hands and her her, uh, nails into my arm as we watched this movie in the movie theater, so... Check out this movie uh, that scared uh, both of us. Little pigs, little pigs, let me come in. Not by the hair on your chinny chin chin. Then I'll huff, and I'll puff, and I'll blow your house in.
Here's Johnny. Oh yeah, that uh, that's uh, not the uh, real movie trailer for the film, but I thought uh, one of the better uh, scary parts of the film that I uh, pulled out and play for you. That is from The Shining from back in 1980, uh, directed by Stanley Kubrick and starring, of course, Jack Nicholson in probably one of his best roles. Uh, You know, he really plays a crazy guy very well. I mean, he's always kind of a little off anyway, and this this movie uh, really fit him well. It's by the novel, or it's based on the novel by Stephen King, uh, uh, and again, probably one of the better... uh, Stephen King movies they've ever done, although I've not read the book, and and probably somebody listening to the podcast maybe could fill me in on this to know how how close the movie is to the book. You know, Stanley Kubrick was you know a film genius, so I kind of have the feeling that the movie it does divert a little bit from the book, um, or maybe even more than just a little. Although I think from what I've heard over the years that Stephen King was pretty happy with the film. So it's basically about a family goes to this very isolated hotel uh during the winter time uh to kind of be the the caretakers of it and there's this evil there that sort of slowly uh turns this uh what you know he seems like a normal kind of dad and husband into well a psychotic nutcase and uh <laughs> and there's a lot of other things that are going on in the film as well uh it really really is good uh ah, our phone's ringing so uh someone should pick it up it's uh it's it's got just a lot of cool elements in this movie. Stanley Kubrick, I, I, I really enjoy his movies. 2001 A Space Odyssey is just a classic. And, you know, a lot of stuff that he's done, he, he has a very, you know, unique uh, way of doing a movie. And that really comes through in this movie. And like I said, we, I did see this one in the movie theater, and it was pretty scary. I, I don't have to, I don't blame my wife at all. Uh, who uh, at the time I think uh, <laughs> she wasn't too happy about going to see this one. I it, uh, but anyway, uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, uh, based on Stephen King's book, uh, definitely a very scary, cool movie to watch at this time of year. Okay, next up we have uh, it's uh, it's kind of another uh, film, uh, not too far, a few more years later, but it, it's it's one of those that I haven't seen many times. I haven't seen this one a lot. But uh, I think it's pretty freaky and pretty scary. So listen to this trailer. The house looks just like the one next to it. And the one next to that. And the one next to that. A young couple live in it. Give Ken a kiss. (laughs) You are so unlucky. With their three children. And something more. They're here. Sweetie, remember last night? Do you remember when you woke up and you said you're here? Uh huh. Well, who did you mean? Who's here? TV people. Something's funny going on here next door. Something, uh... We were wondering if maybe you had experienced any disturbances lately. What kind of disturbances? I don't know what happens over this house. I've never sensed 
Spielberg crosses a frightening new threshold into a world within our own. Its form is revealed. What is it? Its focus is clear. And the games are over. It knows what scares you. Ah, yes, Poltergeist, the classic there. Here with the little girl up at the TV uh, with all the white noise and fuzz uh, on the display. Uh, which is also that uh, that line and, and that scene has, has become kind of a classic in movie history. Uh, and, and, you know, that's one of the things about a lot of these films is they've most of them all have something like that, whether it's just one little piece of a uh, part of the movie that's been used over and over again. They've all they've all set up these classic scenes and standards and words and music that have been uh, showing up uh, since, you know, ever since they came out. This is uh, from 1982, uh, directed by Tobe Hooper. Uh, it was uh, by a story by Steven Spielberg, though. He had a lot to do with this film. He wrote the screenplay along with a couple other people, uh, Mark Victor, Michael Grace. Uh, they, uh, it, but it's a, it's a very Spielbergish kind of movie, uh, scary. Uh, he's, uh, this is you know, not that far away from the time he was working on E.T., so um, I think there were some possibility at one time he was going to direct this i'm not sure about that but i think he had other things at the time so this one got turned over to Tobe pooper does a good job with it it's basically about another one of these classic situations where you have uh you know this suburban family everything looks fine they've got their kids husband wife dog and all this stuff and a lot of spielberg's movies uh were you know that kind of scenario et was kind of like that but again you had a uh, you know, a, a mom raising the kids on her own in that movie, which is was appropriate because of Elliot and E.T. I don't want to get off into that tangent. But, you know, Steven Spielberg really likes the Midwestern kind of, uh, you know, Midwestern American small place and, and just everything looks normal on the surface like you heard in the trailer at the beginning. But it's not quite like that. And they move in and this house is, uh, well, I'm not going to give anything away, but this house is basically uh, haunted in a way. Uh, for certain reasons, there's that really freaky little uh, woman in it. Uh, I think her the actress is uh, uh, Beatrice Strait. Uh, her, she plays Doctor Leash. She has this weird little voice that talks f- sort of low and funny, and she's kind of sh- short and just bizarre. And uh, she really fits the movie well. You know, they're they're looking for help for her little their little girl. Uh, uh, Carol Ann and uh, well, Poltergeist, a scary movie, uh, and another good Halloween entry. Okay, we're kind of winding down the uh, look here at uh, what I find uh, movies that make you jump uh, and, and scare you a little bit, and, and just fun, scary, suspenseful things at the movies. Uh, the next one, this one is is part of a whole franchise of movies, and I picked this one because I think this one's probably the most intense, although the first one in the series is is equally great and probably even maybe a little more scary and suspenseful, but this one's just got, a, got it all going. So listen to this uh, 
part of this film, and I'll come back and talk about it. Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out. When Aliens was first released at the cinema and on video, 17 minutes of action was cut from the running time. Now, these scenes never seen before have been reinserted, completing director James Cameron's vision and adding a whole new dimension to one of the classic movies of our time. This is Aliens, the special edition. I ordered a whole fire. These people are dead, Burke! Do you have any idea what you've done here? This time, with even more suspense. This time, with even more terror. This time, with even more action. Get away from her, you bitch! This time, it's Aliens, the special edition. This time, it's more... Ah, yes, Aliens, uh, the second movie in the Alien franchise. I, I, sometime I'd like to do a probably a podcast or at least part of a podcast on the whole Alien series, but I thought I'd bring it up here. Uh, Aliens, the second movie, uh, came out in 1986. As you heard in that little preview trailer, there was a special edition with some additional bonus footage in it, uh, which I think it, you know didn't add a whole lot to the film. But anyway... Uh, that uh, that movie uh, is just great. Uh, the first one, Alien, you know, from 1979, set the stage for everything after, you know, directed by Ridley Scott and set the uh, tone for the series, which, uh, you know, Alien, about one alien on the uh, trying to take over this uh, vessel out in space, the Nostromo, with the crew slowly being kind of wiped out, was a, is also a great film as well. But Aliens, it, it, it just really gets your heart going and heart pumping, I think. Uh, directed by James Cameron, uh, who is just does a great job with the action and excitement and scare factor and just blows everything away in this movie as far as you know what people had seen up until that point. came out in uh, July of 1986, like I said. Sigourney Weaver, of course, everyone knows, is Ripley. Uh, just an, an amazing movie. Lots of fun. Uh, crazy action, you know, crazy aliens everywhere. You know, it's uh, they've done this Alien versus Predator film. The uh, first one of that came out, uh, what, two years ago, I think now. And they're doing the second one that's going to be out of the Alien versus Predator thing this Christmas. And they, they've just kind of lost something. They've lost some of the, the scare factor. Everyone's kind of gotten used to it, maybe. And I don't know. They need to take it back to its roots, kind of, in a way. Uh, it's uh, it's just a great franchise and and it really was a shame that it kind of turned uh, slowly got a little bit not quite as good each time although i thought the uh, what was it the fourth one uh alien resurrection resurrection is that the one yeah that uh i thought they did a pretty good job with that one but anyway uh let's go uh let's move on i've got uh, just one more movie i want to cover before this ends uh for our scary movie look happens or and uh well let me play this trailer for you Hello? Hello? Who is this? If you tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. <laughs> I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? 
Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. Number one, you can never have sex. Never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. You know the beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. This is a this is a great movie that I think maybe a lot of people may have ignored because it looks like just another uh, teen kind of slasher movie. Scream from 1996, directed by Wes Craven, uh, written by Kevin Williamson. This movie uh, came out uh, in December of 1996. I'm seeing, and which seems a little odd. Seems like it should have been more around Halloween. But basically, you have your standard plot here of. You know, teenagers being uh, knocked and, and killed down or knocked down and, and killed, uh, you know, babysitting girls, teenagers, and, and just, uh, you know, guy on the phone talking to them and, and watching them and the serial killer that's sort of stalking this group of teens. But the difference for this movie is a few things. One, the, most of the characters are smart. They don't do the typical dumb things. Like you heard in the uh, trailer there, the character uh, played by Jamie Kennedy, uh, he kind of, this this movie, the idea of it was to turn sort of the typical teen slasher horror movie on its its ear a little bit, in that these, the the characters here are are relatively smart. Nev Nev Campbell's character, Sydney, is is also, um, she knows what you should and shouldn't do. They they're not dumb in this movie. They they don't just you know lock themselves into a bathroom that's got no other way out and wait for the guy to come in and get them. You know they don't do some of those classic things like you heard again Jamie Kennedy describing in the movie. It, it, it's a very smart, uh, if I can say that, teen horror movie. And it's it's the, the this series, the Scream series, and the other ones, uh, the other couple in the Scream series, not quite as good, but still pretty well, uh, pretty good. I thought it didn't really degrade that much as a lot of movies do when they come out with sequels. But the first one, though, is is to me of the this category of movie. Uh, is sort of like the modern day to me Halloween, a little more sophisticated, but still really scary and suspenseful. With actually, again, uh, characters that you uh, can uh, say, "Hey, you know, you know that they're they're being smart about it, and and it's not uh, they're not being dumb in general." A lot of uh, actors in this movie have gone on to a lot of different things. Uh, the uh, 
the guy that's in Jericho, Skeet Ulrich is in this, Billy Loomis. Uh, lots of different characters, or excuse me, not uh, actors that we're well familiar with. Uh, Courtney Cox is in this movie. Like I said, Jamie Kennedy, Drew Barrymore, uh, David Arquette, uh, Nev Campbell. Just just a good, solid group of actors. Live Schreiber. Uh, is that how you say his name? Live? Leave? Schreiber? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Scream series. Uh, definitely a good set of scary movies. And there you have it. That's uh, that's what I've got, folks, as far as my scary picks to get you in the mood for Halloween uh, on this different kind of edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. I hope you enjoyed uh, hearing those movies. Hope it didn't scare you too much. Uh, anyway, uh, it's uh, it's been fun talking about those. And uh, I'm just going to take a very short break here and come back and wrap things up. Hello, this is Richard calling from Seattle, Washington. I just wanted to give you a shout out and to all your listeners that this podcast is really awesome i've been enjoying it for the last um well i heard it like a month ago and i really enjoyed it and then it it took me you know this week i've been just catching up on all the old episodes um i really enjoy all the episodes that you cover of star trek and twilight zone and all the other science fiction you got out there um, it's just really great, and I just wanted to say that I really enjoy it, and I enjoy the participation you have with the father and son segment, and also all the other segments are just really awesome. So I'm excited for it. Um, it's fun to catch up on all the old episodes, as I have um, been gone for a couple of years out of the entertainment scene. I was in Taiwan, actually, so all the things you talk about Taiwan is really neat for me because I've been there for the last couple of years. Anyway, keep it up. Keep up the good work and I'll keep listening and probably calling in some other time. Thanks. Well, thanks, Richard, for calling into the podcast and uh, I really appreciate that. I'm glad you're enjoying the show. The Yeah, the, that's interesting that you uh, you live in Washington with uh, in that area, which is we've got some other uh, big fans out that way, uh, which uh, the Moyers live out there, the father and son uh, group or team uh, that do some of the intros and stuff you've heard, the other segments. And you also have been in Taiwan, which uh, that's, that's cool. I, I'd uh, love to talk to you about it sometime a little bit more. Anyway, the voicemail line that Richard called that anyone could call into and leave a message about, uh, you know, maybe some of your favorite sci-fi or Star Trek or maybe your favorite scary movie, uh, the number is 206-66-66127. That's the phone number and the voicemail for Treks in Sci-Fi. You can also always email me at treksf at gmail.com. And once again, thanks, everyone, this week for downloading and listening to the podcast. I'm not covering any collectibles this week. Uh, I don't really have any, you know, scary collectibles and or spooky things. I've got some swords and things I was thinking about talking about, you know, from uh, different movies and that. But I figured we'll keep it more of just Halloween-themed this week, and we'll do collectible next week. Uh, next week's show will probably be back towards Trek, I think. Uh, I will be announcing that on the main website at treksinsci-fi.com. Uh, still making some changes to the website. I moved over the podcast notes uh, 
just yesterday worked on that. Uh, the forums, of course, at treksinsci-fi.com. Just click on the forums link, and you can go there, register, join in the RPG game. Got a lot of cool things going on there, member-only contests, and lots of great stuff. So check that out when you get a chance. Still working on the collection gallery, trying to get the photos back up there. That's kind of a lengthy process, and I kind of slide in and do a little bit of it at a time when I get chance to... Uh, to work on that. Try not to sit all day at the computer on the weekend, <laughs> even though today doing the podcast usually ends up being a pretty all-day affair. So uh, again, I'd just like to say happy scary Halloween to everyone listening. Uh, go out and trick-or-treat or give out candy or participate. Have some fun. Get out there and scare away, scare away all those evil spirits floating around. So until next time, this is Rico signing off for this week. Bye-bye for now. That sounded more crazy than scary, didn't it? Bye, folks. This podcast was by Rick Dosti. All rights are Creative Commons controlled, and you can freely distribute this podcast as you see fit. Share it with your friends, family, dog, loved ones, whoever. Get it out there at treksinsci-fi.com. Visit it today.